Um, this morning, I want us to just share together, really not a sermon, but a pastoral word uh, from John 4. Uh, it, it's a word that I hope will help us in just holding on to our joy, and that's what we've done over these weeks together in Lent. How do we hold on to our joy in the midst of what is a very difficult season? This is to be a season of repentance, and for, uh, for, for many of us, in other ways, this is a difficult season. So how do we hold on to our joy? We, we rest in our forgiveness. We began with that. We, 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 we find ways to serve others. Even when we ourselves are not being served, we give ourselves to others. And, and so often, that's when the joy of the Lord can come. Now, when we talk about joy, especially in Scripture, it's not typically an emotional thing. It's not. It's typically a, a spiritual thing. A spiritual, the overwhelming context of joy in the Bible is spiritual, not emotional. It's not how I feel. It's not about happiness. I, I, I share with you uh, about some of my youth ministry stories, but I remember going into a youth group, my first youth group. I was really excited about who was playing in the NBA finals that year, and it was, I think, a game seven. And I came into youth group, and one of my students came up to me and says, did you see game seven today? And I said, no, I didn't see it. You know I like this particular team, so I don't want to know who won. I'm t- I taped it, I'll watch it later. He says, okay, I won't tell you, but boy, are you going to be happy. <laughs> I was not happy. We're not always happy. Happiness comes with happenings, and you read Scripture, so many of the happenings are not happy occasions. But the context for joy is spiritual, that even in the midst of struggle, I can hold on to and know the joy of the Lord. How's your joy this morning? We want to look at Jesus' response here in John 4, and these are some, I think, one of the few sweet words of the disciples in scripture. We don't get many of those. Looking at verse 31, they have a concern for Jesus. Jesus, why don't you eat something? And 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 most times we shared this I think last couple, last Sunday. Usually you find most people in scripture wanting something from Jesus, wanting to take something from Jesus, and that's typical of the disciples. And so here you actually get this sweet moment where they actually say would you like something to eat? Now, if you, if you go back uh, uh, to verse 8, they'd been sent to go get food before Jesus meets this woman at the well. And, and they've probably seen, verse 6, they've probably seen the weariness in his life. And so they're thinking, here will be the answer. If you get a good meal in you, uh, you will be better. So it really can be a sweet moment. They misunderstand what's going on. And the burdens that Jesus cares, why there is this weight upon his life. But it is is a sweet moment. But then you get to verse 34, and his response to that is, My food is to do the will of of the one who sent me. I've had a bad couple of weeks with food. Uh, Sarah and I were blessed to go see our son Joseph in Metairie at the beginning of spring break. So when you're in the Metairie, New Orleans area... You're going to eat, right? You just have to do that. It's good stewardship. I'm here. I need to do this. We went to all kinds. I went to a Brazilian place, Bife Acavalo, all these great meals. We went to uh, New Orleans Food and Spirits, only the Holy Spirit. I had just the Holy Spirit at New Orleans Food and Spirit. 
just ate there like crazy that week. And then uh, we celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary this week and ate then. And then Sarah's birthday and her family's in town. So ate well. Filled. I love what Renee said. As she talked about, this is what really fills. It's to do the work of God. To be in the will of God. So wait a minute, are you saying, Pastor, that if I want to know the fullness of joy in Christ Jesus, I just got to grind it out, press through, and do the will and the work of God. That's it. All right, any questions? Anybody have any jokes? Want to talk about the back? That's it. And sometimes it's in those moments, and you see it in Jesus' life, um, That's when the joy of the Lord can come, when we are faithful when we're weary, when we're obedient, when there's misunderstanding, which is what he gets here. Um, He, Jesus, is faithful when he's weary at the beginning of chapter 4 to still be about the work. And, and, And let's keep going. Let's remind ourselves why there's a joy in Christ who will say later, we're reminded in Hebrews, it's for the joy uh, it's, it's for the joy that Christ endured the cross. Um, what do we see here? What's behind his, his doing the work and the will of his Father? I love these reminders. And if you, you can go back to John chapter 1, uh, verse 6, all the way to John 20, verse 11, but, but all, the, all throughout this gospel is Jesus saying... Have you ever met somebody who's obnoxious to the point that every time they greet or introduce themselves, they talk about where they work? Some of you watch that, that very sarcastic show, The Office. I'm Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration. That's, that's how this character introduces themselves all the time. Or maybe they talk about their town or their church or their college. I'm, I'm from so-and-so. Good luck counting How many times Jesus does that in John's gospel? I've I've gotten up to 40 to 42. 40 to 42 times Jesus talks about, "I'm, I'm sent from God. It's my Father who sent me. So when he's talking about the work, it's my food to do the work and the will of God, it's It's him. It's his will. It's his work that my life is wrapped up in. It's a a beautiful picture that we see throughout John's gospel that I know who I am. I'm the one who was sent by God to do this. In fact, that's the context of this passage. They're going to buy food. You get to verse 27, go back a few verses. He's here. He's just come from Samaria where he's taught. Not only has he gone, John 4 is kind of a lie. You don't have to go through Samaria. You don't. The Jews hated the Samaritans so much they built a road around that place. Those people worship on the wrong mountain. They've broken God's laws in so many ways. They're having political dealings with the Romans. We're going to build a road so we never have to deal with them. And John 4 says Jesus had to go through. Why? Because he's about the Father's will and work. Of course I go to a place like that. And I'm going to go to a well where at midday, the women would have gone to the well in the morning, but at midday I know 
here she is, and she's probably coming in shame because she doesn't want anybody to know what's going on in her life. You know the story of John 4. And it's just like the Father to send Jesus to her. It is the heart of Jesus to do that. But it's also, we can't miss this, this is the sending of the Father. This is the kind of sending that the Father does to people who are broken, to people who are hurting, to people who are lost in sin. This is the sending of the Father. Jesus is caught up in it. And listen, when the disciples get back, you can read it. When they get back, you've been talking to who? The biblical word is they marveled at that. And they want to ask him. They know at this point, even this early, maybe we shouldn't say anything. But Scripture testifies they wanted to ask him, what are you doing talking to her? Of course I'm talking to her. This is the will of the Father. This is the work of the Father. That I am sent to anybody who's on the outs. Anybody who is struggling. Anybody who might be lost to shame. Anybody who's going through it. Of course it's just like the Father to send me to that will. My food is to be caught up in the will and work of God. And that's a, it's a good word for us that there's a joy that will not come until we find ourselves, as we said last week, in that will and work. But there's something even deeper. And this is the pastoral word for today. And I love that it's not my word. This is Jesus's word. And I don't want us to miss it in John's gospel. So let's look at his life first. He's wrapped up in the will and the work of God because that, go back and do the math in John's gospel. That's all that Jesus talks about. I want to be about the will of God. I want to be about the work of God as well as share the word of God. But there's something else you see over and over again. And and you see it more in John's gospel than in any other book in the entire Bible. You see it double any book in the Bible and you see it three times more than you do in any other gospel of the Bible. And not only do you see the most concentration of this word in this book, but it's when you get to Holy Week that you see the majority of this word. And what's that word? It's love. It's love. And Jesus testifies throughout this gospel, it's 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 God's love for me. Over and over again, he speaks of the love of God for him. Listen, it is right for us to, Jesus Christ is the center of our faith. He is our Lord and he is our Savior. And sometimes, though, I'll admit, during Lent, we don't think enough about the Father. And part of the reason I don't think about the Father is because I don't want to think about the Father. Imagine that. The Father who has, you see it 40 times in Scripture, I've sent my Son to you, and what did you do with him? The Father who, on Good Friday, when I think about him, I I think about the, the sky turning dark and the earth shaking and the veils tearing. That's what I think about. I think about the heartbreak of God. One of the things I think the Passion of the Christ movie got right is in the death of Christ, there's a a moment where the, the camera turns up to heaven and you just follow one raindrop. That the heart of God is broken and that the Lord is weeping over what's been done to his son. The the physical agony, yes. The fact that the disciples who Jesus has called have all run. The emotional stress of his own mother being there. And no telling what was spiritually spent for us on the cross. The heartbreak of the Father, it makes it it hard to think about 
the Father on Good Friday or during the season of Lent. But you listen to what Jesus says. I'll just give you a couple of verses. John 3, 35, 520, 10, 17, 5, 9, 17, 23, 17, 24. You, you love me. That is why Jesus is about his Father's will and work and words. It's because he is resting in, he's assured of the Father's love for him. A love that he ends up saying in 724, before the foundation of the world, you have loved me. I love what Rachel sang for us this morning. In, in, in the words there, I can be assured, I can rest. When everybody has scattered, when everybody's forsaken, when the world is throwing their venom and hate and torture at Jesus, he completes his work because, yes, his love for you. Don't miss that. That's where we're going to close. But he rests in the love of his Father, and it's on every page of John's gospel. When you and I can know that, not only can, can, can shame not have its power, but then we can release it. Listen, what a, not, only, not only can we release it when we know we may not get anything in return because we're resting in and assured of that love, but also there's a, what, a, what a great gift in a, in a world where, no, where so few people release it to be intentional and to be clear with, with your friends, for those who have children or grandchildren, to a coworker, to somebody you know in your community or neighbor, that Christian loves me. What a gift to be clear about that. Jesus knew it. There was no questions about it. He knew it and routinely gave testimony to it. But here's the good news. Then you get into chapter 14 and 16, and Jesus wants to be clear. It's not just God so loved the world that he died for everyone, but he's reminding his disciples, and he reminds us today too. He loves you. If you love me, my Father loves you. You need to hear that word today? To, to be remembering that as we go and honor Christ for what, as we heard today, twice, what wondrous love is this that Christ would go and cast his crown to the side and take up his cross. That's also the Father's love. The Father's love who sent his Son for us. I love that John owned that. We believe John wrote the Gospel of John. What does he call himself? He doesn't call himself John. What does he call himself? I'm the one that Jesus loves. He knew the love of God, and it was the love of God that carried him. We've been talking on Wednesday nights about the disciples. How, how do you remain faithful if you're John? The first disciple mentioned in Scripture that dies for their faith is his brother. Lord, you took my brother, and it's quick in the book of Acts. I can stay faithful because I'm resting in the love of God. How is it you stay faithful when, when you've done life with these disciples for, for three years, you're all in together doing ministry, and then all of a sudden everybody splits, everybody's gone. I stay faithful because I know I'm loved 
of God. How do you stay faithful when you're John and you're, you're exiled to an island and you're persecuted for your faith? There are some reports as well he was boiled in oil but miraculously saved from that. You do it because you're loved of God. I'm the one Jesus loves. How is it you stay faithful when everybody else is gone? John's the last one left for decades. All the disciples have been martyred for their faith. Why'd you leave me? Why am I here? I'm just going to rest in the love of God. I'm the one who's loved. That's my prayer for us today. Wherever we've been, that we would rest in the knowledge that Jesus loves us, but the Father loves us. Sometimes we split that up. We've got the Heavenly Father over in the Old Testament, and then we've got Jesus. It's God the Father. He's the Father of both Testaments, and Jesus is the Jesus of both Testaments. Corey and I sometimes have battles about, uh, well, we have several. We won't disclose all those, but sometimes we'll, we'll be a little cynical of some praise music. We'll talk about, oh, I like this part of it, but I don't like that part of the theology. Um, and there's this hymn that, and song, I don't care for one line of the theology, so I'm not going to read it to you today. But I'm going to read what I do love about it. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that he would give his only son to make a wretch a treasure. As wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. It's the love of the Father. It's the chorus y'all still sing. And it's one of those, we, we sometimes pick on praise choruses. If anybody remembers 7-Eleven stores from way back in the day, sometimes we can pick on modern praise music, a 7-Eleven song, seven words sung 11 times, over and over. But there's a song David Crowder made famous, and our, our, our students still sing it. And the chorus is just a couple of words over and over again because they can't get over this fact. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Again, oh, how he loves us. Jesus so wants us to get this that when he begins to talk about the heart of God in Luke 15, what does he say? It's like a, it's like a shepherd who lost one sheep. It's, it's like a woman who lost a lost coin. It's like a father who lost a son. And what's at the end? What's at the end of all three stories that sometimes we miss? What happens at the end? When, when, the, when the coin is found, when the sheep is found, when the son is found, what does the, the imagery of that story say? It's pointing to the fact that God says to all three, it's about time you got back. No. The angels in heaven rejoiced. All of heaven shook when you and I came to saving faith. That the father saw his son. The, the word in Greek is he raced to him. He fell all over. He gave him a kiss. If you read the Greek word there, it's one of those that your grandmother gives you. you got to wipe off it so many times. That's the joy of God when we come home. That's what he wants us to know. It's what funds and, and, and as Renee said, fulfills. It's what helps, sustains Jesus in, in, in living out the Father's work and will. 
It's the deep love of God that he knows and testifies over, over and over and over again about. But then wants you to know, if you love me, my, my father loves you. Sometimes, as we said, as we started today, we don't always feel that. But joy is not an emotional. The overwhelming context for joy in Scripture is spiritual. And today, God wants you to know. It's interesting. John says that in his epistles over and over again. I write these things that you might know. And as we watch Jesus say, this is my food and this is my work, when we read the whole gospel, what is behind it is the Father's love for his Son, but also the Father's love for us. How do, you need, how do you need to respond to that word this morning? If you're like this woman at the well, and you've got stuff, you've got sin, you've got shame, and maybe that keeps you from believing that the God of this universe, the living God, loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son. What we see in John 4 and, and throughout this gospel is press through that. Know that you are so loved that the Son was given for you. If we, if we forget too often the very next verse, God didn't send his Son into the world to judge the world, and Jesus will judge the world, but, but he, he did it so you'd have life. You need to press through that guilt and shame and, and just be real before God today and just let him love you. How is it you and I need to, yes, we press through and we just... We do the work and will of God, but how, how does that need to transform how you serve? How does that need to transform how you see your coworkers and your neighbors as you see Jesus filled with the love of God, how he so easily just goes to places no one else goes to? And he does that not just because he's committed to the work of God and the will of God, but he is the incarnate love of God. This is what love does. It goes to people on the outs, whether it's shame or being letting the love of God fund all you do, or it may be, and I shared this, and I'll, we'll close with this. I shared this in January with our Bible study, and I've shared it, I think, with our, um, uh, on a video series we did, but I can't remember if I've shared this with the whole church. But I remember a story of a missionary who'd been praying for a, a uh, in the 1040 window, praying for a people group that hadn't been reached for Christ, and that was his heart, that people group. And it worked after years and years of praying for that group. The door finally opened for this missionary to go and, and to visit this group in the Far East. And he went and got there and was so excited, just jazzed to be there. Here's this group I've been praying for. I've got a heart for them. And it worked out through a, a college trip that he was able to go and get over to that town just for a day or two. And when he got to the city, the children greeted him with thorn bushes. And they whipped him. They whipped him. He was on a hill and just walking down. They just continually whipped him. And then when he walked through the streets of that town, everybody grabbed their children and they went inside and wouldn't speak to him. And then later, and there's some mystery to this, but later they had a, a concert there, not a concert, but a singing service. And, and, and in his estimation, I think they were actually singing maybe curses over me. Um, 
How do you pray for a group like that after that experience? It's the love of God. God's love found me, a wretch like me, and no matter the injury, I'm gonna continue to love because as we heard sung today, I can rest in, I can be assured of the Father's love for me in Christ Jesus. How is it you need to hear and respond to this word? Maybe it's as we sing today, you need to just come to this altar and say, Father, give me a love for somebody that I've not had a love for. They've been putting me through it. Would you give me the love of God? But maybe it's for yourself. Father, I've kept you at arm's length. And I, there's so many people in this life that won't release love to me, and I'm just not trusting you. Would you trust him today to pour out his love? How is it you and I need to be recommitted as Christ was so beautifully committed to the will and the work of God? To go to places like Samaria, to that well where no one else will go, but we do it because we have the love of God in us. However it is you need to respond this morning, would you respond? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this, your word, not only for what it says of our Savior, of his deep love for people on the outs, people who covered in shame, people who don't know the love of God. We praise you for that, Lord. But also what it says to us of your work, but also of your love for your son and for us. Father, whatever our response needs to be to that today, to release that love, to share that love, maybe to receive that love anew. Father, would you gift that to us today? Bless now our response to this, your word. In your son's name we pray, amen.